Animation Addicts Podcast, episode 179, Trolls World Tour, The World Will Never Know. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. We are your hosts. My name is Chelsea Robson. I'm Morgan Stradling. And we have a very special guest host today. I'm Rachel Wagner. Hey, Rachel. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, Rachel is one of our Roto writers. First Trolls came out. You and I were on that episode. And yeah. so we're like, yeah, bring her back. With Lou Tunes. Chad Lewis. But if you want to listen to that episode that features our review of Trolls and Rachel Wagner as a special co-host, you can go to rotoscopers.com slash 135 to check it out there. So that being said, yeah. I think we've kind of teased. And if you're reading this, you obviously know what episode we are doing because it's in the title. But we are going to be reviewing a newly released DreamWorks animation film, Trolls World Tour, which came out just yesterday at the time of recording this. And there is a very, very unique set of circumstances around this film, which we will get into. So thanks again to Rachel for coming along for this ride. Chelsea didn't mention this, but she's also one of our patrons and has been a patron for a long time. So she's not only part of the inside crew, but she's as part of our writing team, but she is part of the inside crew for Roto Nation, which is super awesome. So Rachel, for those of you who don't know, can you just give a little introduction about yourself so people can get to know you? Yes. So I love all things Rotoscopers. And uh, I actually, the being on the podcast twice really got me inspired to start doing some of my own podcasting. And I have my uh, channel, Rachel's Reviews, which does a lot of animation, uh, particularly talking Disney, a canon every month. And then we do obscure animation where we look at, at, at obscure animation. And it's a lot of fun. Me and my friend Stanford. And then I also have the Hallmarkies podcast, which covers silly Hallmark movies, especially Christmas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we have a great time doing that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of taken over my life, but I'm glad that it has. And she also is a Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> approved critic, everybody. So, ooh, yes. fancy. <laughs> we bow down to you and your greatness. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was because of my work for Rotoscopers that that's how they found me which is pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, like I said, I'm all things rotoscopers. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never been a part of the show, basically what the show is, is we're just a bunch of friends who sit around and, you know, nerd out about animated movies. We all have our own backgrounds. We all have kind of a different take that we go into it. Like I'm really into music. Morgan's really into business. Rachel, you're always into reviews and all this, all the things. But yeah, everybody, we all just kind of have our own takes and we kind of just share and nerd out and we invite you to listen in on our nerdy conversation so we are so excited to jump on into this and we're going to come right back with the nerdy couch discussion Woo! All right. So right now we are in the middle of coronavirus. Basically, it feels like the world is falling apart. <laughs> COVID-19 party. Yay. Not yay. <laughs> not yay. No, it's not. And that's the thing. It's like there's there's two ways of looking at this. Uh, you know, you can take the stance of just, you know, kind of making fun of it in a way because we all need levity in our life. You know, you can't take anything too seriously. But at the same time, like, you know, there's a lot of people that are suffering in many ways, not just health wise with this whole debacle. And uh, one of those industries specifically is the entertainment industry, not the streaming industry. The streaming is booming, but creation wise and even in um, distribution and movies in general, like theater, theatrical releases. This was supposed to come out in theaters, but it was not all the happenings 
So right now we're going to take a second to just kind of like talk about just some of the other things that have happened. The implications to the movie industry as a result of coronavirus and this worldwide pandemic. Yeah, let's do it. Well, this is really Trolls World, World Tour is really quite important because this is I think this is something that the studios have wanted to do for quite a while. But they've had they have this very tenuous relationship with the theater association with the theaters and so if they released their movies on the same day as uh on streaming on the same day as it was in theaters then i then it would cause a big problem with the movie theaters and uh, the the thing is they have released a couple different movies on vod that were still in theaters but this is the first one that uh, it's it's a mainstream release it's not some like obscure indie we've had those for a long time but this is a mainstream release that's being released directly to video on demand and uh and so i don't know it's it's an interesting thing and we we don't even know if we will know how well it's it's it does because they don't have to release those streaming results is the national association of theater owners was not happy about this at all about what DreamWorks decided to do, and uh, and they uh, he came out and he said that that they won't soon forget that they did this with Universal. So shots fired. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they end up maybe not giving as many screenings to Universal films or. If they really come through on this in the future, but they were not happy. I mean, it's kind of an empty promise because they are going to be so desperate to get butts in the seats. Yeah. When the quarantine is gone and things are back to somewhat normalcy, right? Where I can't imagine where they're just going to say, oh, well, sorry, Universal, we are not going to show your theaters unless that I mean, it's interesting because I don't think a lot of people think about the behind the scenes that goes in with how we decide how many screens a movie plays before. And there's a lot of politicking. And, you know, we talked about in one of our last episodes with Disney and how they keep acquiring so many studios that they're kind of becoming this behemoth and monopolizing things where they have so much power with the number of screens that getting play for their films. So, yeah. you know, this kind of does help Disney in a way, but it's just such a unique situation. Yeah, it's possible because there's going to be so many releases. They're going to be coming out that they could say, hey, we were going to give eight screens to Disney and we're only going to give four screens to Universal. It's possible, but you're right. It probably is somewhat of an empty, empty promise. But nevertheless, it, it's, it's not like this, this didn't go down without serious notice. Yeah, okay. But here's the thing. If Universal somehow got the rights to Tiger King, you better believe all the theaters would be pulling it out for it. Like, if you have, like, a property that's going to put butts in seats... Like that speaks higher than your little like tiff that you had 10 years ago with, you know, the fact that everyone shut down. It's interesting because I feel like family films are the most vulnerable to streaming, though. So if this does really well, if this goes gangbusters and they do, uh, I mean, you have to kind of wonder how much interest there really is in Trolls 2. But nevertheless, if it does well then I think that the studios will be very tempted because I think that families are the only demographic where they would prefer to pay $20 to stream it at home. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think the average, if you're talking about a couple or even a group of friends, singles, they would prefer because movies are a social activity for the most part. Yes. Because yeah. we can stream tons of stuff at home, except for families. It, it's it's a pain in the neck for families to go to the movies. Yes. It's difficult. It's stressful. It's expensive. If I was a mom, I would way rather pay 20 bucks and have all my kids there and making... Make your own popcorn at home. Yeah. And being loud and, and whatever. I would way rather do that than cart them all to the movies. Right. And most of them end up doing that anyway. It's no wonder that everyone's sort of in it for themselves at this moment because everyone is just trying to hold on to any little bit of revenue. And so... You know, this, like you said, Rachel, this is something that the movie studios have been wanting to do for a long time, but they've never been able to pull the trigger because they are so tied to their movie distribution channel, yep. which are the theaters. And this is an interesting experiment. And I'm, I just wish that they would be a little bit more transparency with how the numbers are doing. Because personally, from my perspective, I 
don't think this is going to do as well. Like you said, this is an experience. It's an event. It's where you get to get out of your house. And I think people more than ever are realizing how much you enjoy getting out of the house and, and sitting in your cushy seats and eating that delicious movie, you know, butter popcorn, right? Movie theater popcorn. And it's just a date night. It's something to do. It's something to get out. So so as a mom, you would agree with that, that you would rather take your kids and, and go see it at the theater than pay the $20. Oh, I'm not talking about taking kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's why I think family films are more vulnerable to this. Right. Yes, they are. It's interesting because I have seen a little bit of buzz about this since it's been released. You know, on my Instagram stories, there's been a few families that I've seen have rented it. There's some confusion about whether this is renting or buying. I saw one lady saying like, yes, you know, we bought it. And then wait, it turns out we're just renting. It's the same price as if you were to buy it. And so there's a disparity in people's minds with the price of it, because even though you're saving money as a family, 20 bucks for unlimited people who can fit in your house, in this case, it's your family or groups no larger than 10, it's way cheaper. You, If you had a family, let's say six, which probably is much bigger than the average family, let's just say a family of four, and you are at least minimum $40 getting into the theater to, to watch this. So you get to watch this at your house for half the price. But for me, I really wanted to see Emma. And I saw like, hey, they're going to be released. It was released for maybe a few weeks in theaters in February. And then they released it quickly to video on demand. And I was like, awesome, let's rent it tonight. And then it was 20 bucks. And I was like, oh, maybe not. And I still haven't seen Emma because the price is so high, even though, yes, me and my husband will be watching it. So like the price would be the same, but the experience is not there anymore you do pay for the experience. So I honestly, even though I do, I'm hearing a little bit of buzz about trolls, I highly doubt that they're going to be doing anywhere near close to what they would have theatrically, you know? It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, probably if they if they don't release it, we can assume it didn't do very, it didn't do very well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can only imagine that if it does great, they'll be, you know, they'll be touting it all over the place, I would think. I can understand why the theaters are like, hey, that was going to be a lot of revenue for us. But at the same time, like, really, was it was it going to be? The world will never know. The world will never know. <laughs> it's not like you can like get that lost revenue back, especially with Trolls. They've already been doing all of their commercials and all the advertising for it. And it, that's not money you can get back. And so I understand why they're like, yeah, um, if we don't have the same to do all of that advertising again mm -hmm. would just not make it well, worth that's, it. So let's just put it out now. That's interesting. You mentioned that because that's what happened with Mulan. They pulled Mulan a mm -hmm. week or so before, um, very, very last minute. And there were already Mulan dolls in the Disney stores. The merch was already out. But no one's going to buy that one because people aren't really going to stores you know, like toy stores per se, like people can still go to Target and Walmart, whatnot, but you don't have that connection with the film to encourage you to then go and buy the merchandise. And so what are they going to be doing with all this merchandise? Is Are they just going to, okay, like take, pull all the, the Mulan stuff, pull it in the back corner until this gets released at a future date. It's, it's really unfortunate for the films that were already in production, already in the works, like Mulan and Onward, where they, there was a lot of tie-ins, um, to promotional products and merchandise. Especially Onward. Yeah. Onward got especially yeah. screwed yeah. by this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. For sure, I think. No, <laughs> they did. It would have made way more money. Or like we said in one of our last episodes is that Onward is forever going to have this little asterisk next to its name. It's going to be the lowest grossing Pixar film of all time simply because of this whole situation. And that's not taking away from the movie and all the hard work. And, you know, that is something that I, I really am sad about. There's so much sadness happening right now, but there's a lot of work and, and families and people who put their heart and soul into these films for years. You know, these things aren't made like live action films where it's two, maybe three years, depending on how big a budget and visual effects you have. I mean, animated films are a four or five year venture. And it all comes to this big release and then it's released in theaters and it does so well at the box office or not. And those people are never going to reap that benefit, you know? Yeah, it's it's across the board because the smaller films are also hurting because things like Annecy is canceled. Things like the, you know, South by Southwest, uh, these festivals, they're all canceled. So things that they were counting on to, uh, we'll see if animation is film. Hopefully that will go on because it's later. Uh, but uh, things they were counting on uh, getting that buzz, getting that festival buzz, all that stuff. So it's really, it's not just, it's mainstream. It's just, it's everybody. <laughs> everybody. I mean, everybody in the world is affected by this. Let's be real. But, uh, but yeah, it's, the arts are suffering 
And uh, I mean, people are doing whatever they can to kind of get by <laughs> right now. But yeah, it's it's rough and it's going to be, I mean, it's unprecedented. We all have no idea how it's going to bounce back or what's going to happen. And it's a scary time. And the domino effect that it's going to have on future movie releases, because it's just a crazy world where movie dates and slots are selected five years in advance at this point. They put their flag and stake their claim very early on. And now there's going to be this big shuffling to the end of 2020. A lot of them aren't actually putting um, a date yet because they're we still don't know, you know how long this is going to last. And so it's going to be interesting to see if we're going to see just a, a giant influx of films in Q3, Q4 of 2020, where there's just too much to choose from. But then again, that doesn't service any of the, the demand won't be there and the revenue won't be there. So does that mean like all films from here on out are just going to be kind of pushed back a year? It will be very interesting to see. Yeah, there's already been animated films pushed back. Like I know Bob's Burgers 2021 uh, now and um, uh, and Minions uh, sequel. That's 2021. I will see if uh, if Raya, I think that one could. I kind of wonder if we're going to see Soul end up in Raya's spot and then Raya is going to end up in 2021. But yeah, it's I mean, and, and who knows the Oscars could end up getting because by the time, if everything's getting moved, like, what, are we going to give uh, Sonic the Hedgehog going to win best in? It's that or onward at this point. I guess onward. <laughs> oh, wow. It's just a crazy time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's super crazy. Well, one thing that I, I noticed, too, is this is actually news that I haven't told anybody. I have a song in a in a movie. It was like a TV movie, so super low key. But at the same time, it got pushed. And so it was like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> but it's so it's like I don't really... You know, the, the director doesn't really know what is going to happen to it right now. And he's just like, we'll see. I'm like, All right. Whatever. Let me know. <laughs> I mean, I'm lucky because as a film critic, I I'm not as dependent on, on new releases as other film critics are, because uh, you know, some of that's their bread and butter, other YouTubers, other film critics. And uh, and so I have been a little bit fortunate that way, because a lot of our Hallmark use content is on previously released films or the films that are still happening. Right now for Hallmark, they've made one Christmas movie so far. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. The summer is their season to be making all these Christmas movies. And <laughs> so between Hallmark and Lifetime last year, there were 70 Christmas, <gasps> Christmas movies. 70? Yeah, there were a lot. It'll be way less than that this year, of course. But I mean, if they're not back into the shooting, by, you know, if it goes into July and August, that will be, that'll be devastating for ever, all the actors, all the, everybody involved. And the whole, like the city of Vancouver is so, oh my God. is very dependent on these movies getting made. And uh, it's just, it's just mad. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The ripple effect that this has had on the worldwide economy is just really heartbreaking and sad uh, which is another reason why i think we were talking about this in the pre-show like are you going to jump right back and, and get back into normal life and go do things and visit crowds and i'm like yes i will be you know <laughs> i i'm not one that's scared per se because i don't feel that i'm in one of those categories that's high risk and so uh, an yet another reason for me to for all of us to go out and to, to live life as normal to help bring the world economy back because if the economy's down just life you know the mental um just everything else as far as like a person you know their happiness their well-being it all goes down and i know people say well maybe that's reckless you know like this thing's still out there but we, we got to get back to it you know at some point yeah even if it's just reasonable alterations of life mm -hmm. that we we will have a new normal we will but can we wear a mask can we uh can we do things that uh will make us to be able to transition into kind of the next phase of all of this so who knows? I'm sure we're going to look back at this a year from now and be like, Whew, we were way off. And, and hopefully, you know, things are able to bounce back. I mean, I believe in the world where we've done so much so far, but it's just so much uncertainty right now. Necessity is the means of invention. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's something that I've also seen as a big you know, opportunity right now is the fact that all of these things are happening. So now we have to put our creativity on <laughs> and like actually do stuff. That is out of our comfort zone. Yeah. Well, one thing that is a 
is a change. It's just the fact that, you know, for there's a lot of there's a discrepancy with the people who are able to work online and people who are not able to work online. Anybody that's in the food industry like sucks. Really? That's oh, man, it's the hardest hit right now. And there is going to be a lot of people that when it does open up. Yeah, you're still going to have a lot of people who were able to continue having a lot, you know, business as normal through this whole time. But then you have that whole second section of people that they're just not going to be going to films. They're not even if even if there was no no need to wear masks or anything like that, like there would they just wouldn't have the money to to do anything. The available dollars just aren't going to be as uh, easily found as they have been over the last several years. But with that, the show must go on. Let's talk about Trolls World Tour. You think you've got to hide it. Don't keep it on the shelf. Let your waist start moving. Watch the way I do it, do it. See me do it like nobody else. All right, some basic information about Trolls World Tour. If you have not watched the original Trolls film or you have not watched Trolls World Tour, I would recommend that you probably go and watch both of those right now. You don't necessarily have to have seen Trolls to see this, but it does help. It really There's a lot of world building and elements, and the first movie is just so much fun. So check that out because we are now entering spoiler territory. The release date for this film was April 10th, 2020. Like we said, the production was DreamWorks Animation, and it was distributed by Universal Pictures. Budget was anywhere from 9200 million and right now what I'm showing is box office 1.9 million. I'm not quite sure where they are getting that number, but box office mojo is showing that I don't know, maybe there's some contraband theaters or some sketchy <laughs> theaters that just said screw it anyway and <laughs> they released it and made 2 million bucks, but that again, this will be another one of those films that has an asterisk next to its name simply because of the circumstances surrounding it. It's directed by Walt Dorn, and it has a lot of familiar faces and voices from the original film, which we will be talking about in our review. So first thoughts, guys, like when this was first announced, what did you feel about this film? I had mixed feelings at best about the first film. There were a lot of things that I didn't really like about it. And one of the things that I didn't like about it was I felt like I didn't like this underlying message that everyone had to be the same and had to like doing the same stuff. And if you didn't like doing that stuff, then there was something wrong with you. And I, that was kind of not my favorite. And so when I saw that they were, were doing this Trolls 2, first of all, I was like, what on earth is this concept? It was so bizarre to me. And then also it kind of felt like, okay, another movie where everyone that lives in this you know particular area has to like the same things and has to like the same music. And it's like this... And, and so I'm just like, this is a weird message. And I don't think they fully overcame that problem for me. <laughs> and I'll, I'll explain it more when we talk about it. But that was just kind of like, this is just so weird. And I, I did feel kind of like, kind of also that, are people, do people care? I mean, I know the merchandising is really big. But as far as the movie, I just feel like, does anyone talk about trolls? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I loved about the original film, and I think uh, initially, it really took off for two reasons. One, it just had this very unique art direction to it, you know, with the felt characters and backgrounds and just a really unique way of visualizing the world of the trolls. I just I just loved and even in this movie that was not as stunning per se because there was no novelty with it but there were still some elements that i absolutely loved and then the music yeah uh, particularly the can't stop the feeling song totally took over the world so and i felt like families and kids really resonated with trolls trolls became something that people just wanted to see they were watching it on repeat they were listening to the songs on repeat and normally that really only happens for disney films so DreamWorks knew that they had a hit on their hands when this film, which came out around the same time as Moana, ended up doing really, really, really well. So it was no surprise for me that they ended up greenlighting a sequel. And initially when I heard Trolls World Tour and you see the trailer, it didn't really grab me in the same way that the initial Trolls did. But I did appreciate the different direction that it took for sure. I liked that we were able to see more of the different types of trolls. It's interesting that you say um, one of the things you didn't like about like how uh, the, the message, like one opinion matters, you all need to conform. But that's interesting because that is definitely addressed to some level in this film. My initial thoughts, so going back from 
our original review of it. I remember I liked it enough, but I wasn't like enthralled with the original film. And so when it came around that they were doing a world tour, I was just kind of like, uh, okay, I don't really have uh, an opinion right now. And I, I probably wouldn't have seen it had we not been doing a review on it, you know, but I going into it, like, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was. And I didn't remember having any, I didn't remember having any like problems with the original film other than the fact that I wish that the songs weren't the Moulin Rouge type songs in the fact that doing lots of covers. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I'll just talk about the music and get that up front because, okay, first off, would you qualify the original Trolls as a musical? I would. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we have a yes and we have a eh. I mean, there's tons of Broadway musicals that are co- just all cover songs, so I would. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So then likewise, would you consider this Trolls sequel to be a musical. I guess it depends on what your definition of of musical is, because there's tons of song, there's tons of films that have music in it and like a full soundtrack, but there's you wouldn't consider it a musical. I don't think that I would consider this one a musical. Uh, like it is. Uh. I know it's like this weird. It's like it has one or two songs that are like true songs by the characters, but it's not enough where you're getting five, six, seven, eight. I guess I on technicality, I would call it a musical because there are times where the characters are singing the songs and and there's a difference between a character singing a song because it's representing how they feel versus they're having a dance party and singing songs because that's a plot point you know what i'm saying right i don't know it's, it's like this interesting gray area with this film and I'm, I'm not sure anyone else is dissecting like is trolls a musical but like as i was watching i was thinking that i'm like hmm, kind of interesting to talk about well you look at the diff- the first one the fact that they use you know found his true colors they reiterated that one as being part of the plot like that was his thing he found his true colors. So in that way, yeah, they use this, the, some of the songs, at least, in a way to move the plot forward. But I actually heard a really good answer as far as, like, how do you classify something as a musical? And the characters can't know that they're singing, one. And two, the songs have to move the, the plot forward. And in this case, I feel like they all knew that they were singing because they were like, oh, we're going to do all the best pop songs. Like, so they know that they're singing these songs, but then some of them are actually singing like to move the plot forward. So I don't know. I've, it goes back and forth. And just to let you guys know, Anakin, I saw Anna Kendrick and she said that as a, a reason how she decides if something is a true musical. I'm like, kind of interesting to talk about. No, she did. I'm sure she didn't make that up, but I will repeat it. I don't know. I I don't I really don't think that she made that up like she probably heard it from somebody else. But that it seems to be what classifies a musical. I felt songs in this one were less integral to the plot. And a lot of times I didn't even really know what was happening. They were just kind of singing to themselves. What I wish that I could have had in this movie is I wish I could have had a moment where Poppy and and Branch realized that they liked all the songs from the different music Mm. because because i think this movie is has a good message as far as diversity on a macro level like on a Uh like lands (laughs) but on an individual level like kids should be taught that they can like all different kinds of music and i think it would have made it made it better on this individual level that oh look i've learned how to like rock music i've learned how to like classical music have learned how to like as opposed to being like well mm-hmm. everybody still has to like pop music that lives in our, our country <laughs> right right yeah okay the the messages that they were sending were th- with this were just so strange <laughs> it was a weird movie i agree i mean all in all i liked the film but the 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 messages were like huh like yeah. really <laughs> that's the message that you're trying to send like, for one, showing that it's the people who write the histories that really, you know, they may they just write it from their point of view, which means that pop music, they didn't steal it all. Like, which is really just like a social commentary on the fact that, oh, whites wrote history or the rich wrote history or this wrote history. And therefore, you know, the, uh-huh. the winners of the war are generally mm-hmm. the people who write the history of how the war happened. And anybody who was against them was the bad guy. So like you can see that they're trying to show that. But at the same time, like. I don't blame pop. I blame country for stealing everybody's genre. (laughs) (laughs) And can we talk about, is Kelly Clarkson a country singer? I mean, come on. What has she done, like two country songs? Well, okay. So I have something to say on this. (laughs) 
Kelly, I love Kelly oh, Clarkson. Her latest album was the very first album that she was able to do on of the music that she chose because everything else was went through her label. And now she is anti, not anti-label. She still has a label, but she just has more power over mm-hmm. what she does. And her current album is probably my favorite just because she takes like a lot of pop sounds, but then meshes it with a lot of like Southern Memphis rock. Which is like, it's so cool. So I am a huge fan. And so like, I can see that she, and she definitely is from the South, you know, so she's got, she can do the accent and she can pull it out when she needs to. <laughs> I mean, it just seemed crazy to me that Spies in Disguise can get Reba McIntyre to voice like a, an agent or whatever. <laughs> and, and they can't get it for a character that literally has bright red hair and is country music. <laughs> or like dolly parton at least (laughs) yeah oh yeah yes dolly or reba would have been perfect for for that Mm -hmm. role in my opinion yeah i'm looking over the cast list and obviously there are the big names from the original film we have anna kendrick as queen poppy justin timberlake as branch james corden as biggie and then i didn't actually maybe i wasn't paying enough attention to the promotion of this film but there actually are some pretty big names and they all relate to their different genres ozzy osbourne is king thrash uh mary Mm -hmm. j blige is queen essence the queen of the funk trolls um george clinton is king quincy the king of the funk trolls kelly clarkson is delta dawn the country troll leader which I can I just say why I wish that they would have been able to get Quincy Jones himself, but I understand that you know he's not into <laughs> doing stuff right now. But still, anyway, continue. Yeah, and then I mean, there's let's see, classical troll Lula Borg of the Yodlers. <laughs> the Yodlers were the best. They were amazing. <laughs> let's be honest. How many people? And if you're one of the listeners, go to rotoscopers.com slash one seven eight and let us know in the comments. But how many of you, when you saw the yodeling, like that there were going to be these yodeling trolls, you thought of Chelsea? I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> if you didn't, then you haven't watched the Rotoscopers YouTube because I actually give a tutorial on how to yodel. So you should check that out if you haven't pretty awesome (laughs) yeah and there's just like a whole bunch of names that are if you were in that like there's some you know joy who's one of the k-pop trolls and like basically they did a good job in actually going and finding people who were actually in that Mm -hmm. genre to represent um, the voice which was pretty interesting but i didn't realize it until now because again it wasn't unlike in our last episode the little mermaid 2 episode some of the voice actors were just so distracting because they're just so well known for who they are but i did not feel distracted by the celebrity voice talent in this film which i appreciate because that's uh, should not be the point of voicing a character is just like it, although the one person that really i felt i could only think of him was james corden i'm like oh my gosh it's just you yeah <laughs> i'm also just really glad they didn't use beyonce and i mean i like beyonce as a performer oh hater of the queen I, I i like her as a performer but like she's the she's just been in so much and specifically when she sings it's like i can't not think of beyonce when you sing yeah yeah, I think it was a pretty good use of celebrity voice talent uh, for for the film because, I mean, it makes sense if you're having a world of singing about music, you're going to have musicians. So let's talk about the different genres because I think when I first heard about this, you know, initially I'm like, there's more than that. There's more than five genres. You know, there's rock, techno, classical, funk, and pop, right? Yeah. Then what I thought was hilarious is when they introduce these subgenres, which you know people, you know they they knew when they had these five main categories. They're like, okay, we understand and we know there are other genres of music, but we can't make this a crazy complicated world. Let's simplify it to five. But then they have these bounty hunters that are just subsets of the bigger groups. <laughs> Smooth jazz, I would consider to be a subset of classical a little bit. Maybe it's like a the baby of classical and funk i mean technically it's the baby of jazz which they didn't have right they didn't have jazz at all i'm just talking about jazz in general yeah (laughs) i love how they're like yeah it just makes you not even want to try jazz (laughs) because they have you know there's jazz and blues. right oh oh sorry i ignored um um, country so there's six sorry there's there's six main categories how could i forget country forgive me uh there's reggaeton which is, I would say, a subset of funk, yes. maybe, if I have to categorize. Yeah. Uh, K-pop, obviously, subset of pop. And then the odd duck right here, yodeling. <laughs> I I can't even put it under anything. I'm like, uh, classical? <laughs> 
I would put it under country. Country? It's definitely a part of blues grass. Country has taken parts of yodeling and putting it in there. But yodeling came first. Yeah. That makes it's sense. It's a chicken or egg thing. <laughs> well, it's German. Like, it's in the in the, S- the Swiss Alps, you know? That's why it's like folk music. Yeah. Poor yodelers. They're always the villain. <laughs> you, know, you got in Home on the Range, you got the <laughs> evil villain. Oh, my God. yodels. I have missed my calling, Morgan. I have missed my calling. I should have been a a villain this whole time. I didn't even know up until this moment. Thank you, Rachel, for telling me. (laughs) So I liked I liked the way that they presented this initially in the trailers. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. That's not really going to be like, what are they doing here? But it actually ended up working. I liked that they weren't like our last film. They don't rehash the plot of the original in just like a new, not so fun way. But they go out on a different, a new adventure. And I appreciated that it was, for the most part, it was just Poppy, Branch, and Biggie. Uh, they didn't try to bring the whole crew back. And, and that would just been too much because there were so many new characters that we needed to meet on this journey. And I really liked it. We got just a little snippets here and there of these other areas. You know, we see the techno trolls at the very beginning and they don't really play a part. We just are introduced to them through that first montage, that first song. And then we slowly hit up the other lands, which I must say, it does not take them very long to even get to these other places. This world is very small, which shows how much they're not trying to leave the nest. They're very happy and content in their little pop bubble. Yeah, it does make you think that in the first one, there was that tree and and then the whole world of the Bergens, which they basically ignore in this. Right. And so with the Bergens surrounding the pop world, or right. not sure how that all works. Right. Well, they don't want you to, to worry about that because then that ruins their plot. <laughs> <laughs> right. The map was great. It's like, oh, your map is outdated. Oh, yeah, you're right. It still has disco on here. <laughs> disco. That was a funny moment. <laughs> there were so like there were a lot of really good one lines in this film, and I was very impressed with them for that. It was a fun movie to live tweet. I got a live tweet on the Rotoscopers and uh, uh, Twitter. And I, I think uh, to me that actually for most movies that actually improves my enjoyment because I don't know, you can interact with other people and you can be kind of snarky mm-hmm. and, and fun and and overall, I think I think this movie's fine. This is one of the things that being a Rotten Tomatoes critic is really hard sometimes because you have to pick between one or the other. You either like it or you don't like it. And I'm like kind of in the middle on this one. There's things I think it's perfectly harmless. But does that mean I think it's good? I don't know. It's, it's hard sometimes to make up my mind. I felt like they opened it up well. I felt like they opened it to the point where you didn't feel like they were trying to be that they were. You could tell right away they're not taking mm-hmm. themselves seriously. Like the fact that they pull out the like the cat slash was that a cat or a dog? I don't remember. I think, he's like, you might think that's cute, but this is my kind of cute. You know, it's just like, OK, we're not trying to be anything that we're not right now. And I appreciated that because it let me let my guard down yeah. to yeah. just enjoy the ride. I did like the animation. They kind of it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Wreck It Ralph eight bit animation where it wasn't uh-huh. totally fluid and smooth. They kind of were like choppy uh-huh. when they were jumping or they were doing things, and I appreciated that. So, like I said about the art direction, I loved the world and just like the felt and the textures in this film. And I liked how you know, for example, when they were in the country land, um, the mountains were essentially it looked like blankets, like folded blankets all on top of each other. Yeah, and I just thought that was just really cool elements that they were able. It's just very creative. And different, and you wouldn't see that in any other world. It's I like that they continue the scrapbook element for the most part, even though the scrapbook wasn't really a big part of it. But how did you like the element of the strings? Um, I thought it was like <laughs> the fact that he like brings it out at the beginning. It's like, oh, that's convenient that you just had that thing hiding and nobody knows about it. But at the same time, they all right under this like mystical waterfall, <laughs> <laughs> right? But they say like they make they mention that like, oh, well. That's like out of nowhere. Okay, whatever. Move along. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was another thing. And it's like, I just go with it. Whatever. I didn't think that the strings were, they were a necessary guide for the plot to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of just a MacGuffin. Yeah. It gave Barb something to do and something to achieve as like her, you know, feather in her cap, if you will. Yeah. And, but at the end, I mean, it really didn't have anything to do. It, it had no impact. The stakes weren't weren't there right you know like what happens if 
all of them get taken and you see that she takes them all and she starts playing and they kind of become zombies of the one thing. But initially, you know, eons ago, whenever this happened, it didn't seem like that's what happened when there were five strings and all these, or yeah. so, I keep saying five, there's six, right? The six strings. Six strings on a guitar. Yeah. There were the six strings until you know, they were living in harmony until, you know, one, apparently the pop trolls tried to take it over and conform just to all one. So, you know, life could exist independently, you know, the six strings all unified together. I was expecting something bigger to happen with the unification of the strings. And then likewise, the destruction of the strings when they all broke, it turns out that the strings didn't mean anything. And that kind of was a bit of a downer to me because not a downer, but it just yeah. was a letdown. Because I'm like, well, this was kind of pointless, except for it helps them realize it. Like It was just funny because it helps them realize, oh, we don't need the strings in the first place. Right. But the pop trolls didn't even know that this thing existed in the first place. Or at least Poppy didn't, as far as we know. Well, that's why I think it would have been better if the movie had ended with them all realizing they could like each other's music. And they didn't have to be defined by this one type. Right. They had the one character who was Cooper and he was the four legged troll. Right. Who realizes that he's not actually a pop troll, but he's funk as well. And he's like, yeah, I can be both. And But he was really the only character that embraced that or accepted that. It never seemed like Barb was ever going to be into pop or classical. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the Dr. Seuss, the star-bellied sneetches. You know, everyone has a star, so they're important. And then if they don't, then, you know, there's a machine that helps them get the star. And then, and you know, at the end of the day, they, you know, moral story, I'm going to spoil it for you guys. But like, they things all go crazy. And some people have them, some people don't. And, you know, they realize it doesn't matter. And... It would have been nice to see people maybe who weren't necessarily have another character or two other than Cooper, I guess, that kind of like crossed over. Like maybe people realize had a moment where they're like, oh, I actually have really loved classical and I like I want to do classical pop and and have people say like, well, pop trolls, this has been fun, but I'm going to go live here for a little bit. And like, hey, we're going to have new people who are going to come live at pop because they're interested. You could even have made it really like kind of funny. Like imagine yeah. if they had a like a Taylor Swift troll right? <laughs> and, and, uh, and she started out in country and you're like, Ooh, I'm going to go over to pop or whatever. <laughs> Could have been funny. The casualties. Yeah. The music isn't your identity, your identity. You can, you can change that. What I really appreciated and they really kind of hit, hit you over the head with this was like the tolerance message, because I feel like that's very needed today. Everyone is really just in their own buckets in their own worlds and they're not seeing other viewpoints or being open to other viewpoints. And I liked the, the way that they phrased it. They say the harmony is there when you have more voices. And I thought that just was a great analogy because it really paints the picture that if you're all just one note, you're one note. But when we have a symphony of notes, it really creates this beautiful music. And that was probably my favorite part is that they were able to tie the music analogy into this tolerance and acceptance narrative, which again, is very much needed because we all kind of are in our own bubbles and just only want to see what we want to see. And we have blinders on to everything else, but we need to be more open to other viewpoints. And Poppy says this, even if that we don't agree, or even though they're different than ours, because um, the world is better yeah. that way. Did you guys think that some of the music choices were a little dated? Like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do pop music, like, it seems a little strange for me to, for doing MC Hammer, mm, right. Spice Girls. Stuff like that. Like, I mean, I like that stuff, but the little kids, they know. But how current can you make it to without making it seem dated to today? Yeah. I can't even think, like, if you were to think of a, a pop song from the 2000s, what would you pick? Like, you can't pick anything Adele because hers are too I mean, sad. I, I would think of Justin Bieber. Or <laughs> Bieber. Well, and also you have to look at the time period in which they're animating to music. It has to be something they can get the license mm -hmm. for. And it has to be something that they can, right. like do all of the they're not gonna get the beatles right <laughs> so there's some there's some songs that they're gonna be able to get that maybe are i mean you're dealing with budgets <laughs> mc hammer is going to let anyone put their name on his song like, please just yes take it <laughs> anything to get the back in royalties on that one for sure <laughs> How did you feel about the music? Because I thought it was a bit distracting. It was like they're trying too hard to make the music a thing in this one, where it definitely was important to the original film, but it felt a little bit more natural. Now it was like they just needed to have a mm -hmm. pop montage or they needed to have a, a song here or, you know, someone needs to sing here or there. And it just I didn't appreciate it, to be honest. Yeah, this one, it sounded it felt more like a, an array of songs as opposed to a song that actually transformed the storyline the last time they actually tried i thought it was fine 
I guess, but but not yeah, not great. And I did the original songs were completely forgettable as opposed to last. Well, Barb, what's funny is how she has. There were just so many things that when you're when you're looking at how music has evolved, and it's like, of course, you're going to have the rock chick be the bad guy because hard rockers are <laughs> all about having you know. Yeah, man, I'm all about the rule. It's like the bikers in Onward. The bikers yeah. are always going to, you know, create problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I honestly thought that they were going to have like an Alice Cooper. Like, I think I would have liked it better if they would have done Alice Cooper. But I understand why they chose Ozzy. Uh, Did Ozzy even know he was recording? <laughs> I know that's a shake, but kind of made me laugh. <laughs> Probably doesn't. And then when they went to the like the classical trolls, I was like, oh, this 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 land is probably just full of A type personalities. I'm <laughs> sure they wouldn't have gotten along well with the with the rockers. Oh, my my favorite line was at the end when Branch is like, Yeah, let's get all get tattoos except for our faces in case we need office jobs. <laughs> I was like, that one is the the quote of the day i love that yeah it was kind of weird though how the classical world was the only one that the instruments were like sentient Mm -hmm. that was a strange choice and that's really we don't ever really meet a classical troll we just meet the you know the flute or the piccolo yeah yeah that's pretty weird (laughs) that's it you just have the one troll who it looks you know similar to beethoven he looks similar to beethoven yeah everybody else is just the music like maybe it's just him well i think he was (laughs) supposed to be the composer who'd be the king of that land, right? Yeah, but there were no other trolls. Well, they're saying that, oh, there's no instrument, there's only instrumentals, no words, which isn't really true if you're going to nitpick. I mean, there's opera, and then there's a choral, it's a very important part of classical music. And then there's classical pop. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess that's why they had the instruments sentient in classical world, is because they, because they're only, in in the world of this movie, they're only instrumental. It's classical, I guess. I don't know, it was kind of (laughs) weird. This whole movie was weird. Like, I, it was fine. I liked it fine, but I thought it was weird. <laughs> it was a strange concept. I think I liked it a lot better than you did. Yeah. Based on how you're talking about it, like, I, at the end of this film, I just felt like, I think it was just because it's like, from the beginning, I wasn't really expecting much. My my expectations were really low. Like, no expectations whatsoever. Looking into it, and I, I recognized the things that they did in order to keep your expectations super low. And just enjoy the ride. And so I kind of just did that. And there were there are a lot of things that just I thought was just commentary on a lot of other things. And it was just their way to to kind of like put that into into motion. But yeah, like there was like the whole the fact that there were six strings is because it's a guitar. And then initially it was like a harp. Oh, yeah, was it? it was. Okay. That's interesting. One thing that I really enjoyed is I thought the best part of the film was when they went into the country land. Mm-hmm. Or country? Are they worlds, lands? How are we classifying this? Like country nation? They go into country nation. <laughs> yeah, I thought the best part was with Hickory the Yodel Troll when he was disguised as a country troll, and they it, the plot was just a little slower. They were kind of going down that river. They were going to go to the next land, and his character was just a lot of fun. And you know, Branch obviously picks up on some things off about him, and then ultimately he is right. But I liked that reveal because the Yodel Trolls like. They were gone for the most part. They're the only bounty hunter we hadn't hit. And I really love the smooth jazz troll, Chaz. Oh, I love that The one. bounty hunters were kind of some of the best part of it for me. Yes. <laughs> like, I love that the smooth jazz troll, Chaz, is the epitome of, if you've ever seen Sexy Sax Man on YouTube, <laughs> where he's this guy with long hair, he plays a saxophone, no shirt, leather pants, and oh, smooth jazz is so cheesy and so bad, but it's just hilarious. And it was a yeah. good time. It's pretty funny. And I did love, I loved the animation. I thought it was beautiful and, you know, unique and bright and colorful. So that was definitely a plus. What do you guys think of the find out how, how trolls procreate? That was. That was weird. What? What? What was that? Okay. Yes. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> With the diamond troll. I had so many questions at that moment. I was like, okay, procreation. Great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anyone like appreciated that moment or thought like, oh, that was awesome. I mean, maybe it was funny because it's unexpected, but special. (laughs) (laughs) It was so weird. It's like, I didn't really need that in my life, but there it is. Okay. How did you guys like the whole branch and poppy friend zone to end zone? (laughs) Friend zone (laughs) to like, I love you zone. Hey, say it. (laughs) How did did we enjoy that? Also, 
I mean, how come Branch is back to being dark? You know what I'm saying? Like at the at the um at the uh the last he gets right. Oh, because he's still been in quarantine. Eh. It was just a temporary <laughs> thing. You really can't change your true colors. His was darkness all around. He's been in quarantine a little too long. <laughs> As we all have. Yes. We will all come out of this brighter. Yeah. Speaking of Branch, I mean, Branch had the right idea all along. Yeah. He knew what was coming, guys. We should have yeah. just been a little bit more like Branch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I so know. I mean, that's a pretty standard plot device mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, the... the the character kind of proposing and waiting and whatever. Yeah. And I was, I was fine with it in frozen too. I'm fine with it here. It's yeah. It's a controversy to get him on the journey. It's fine. It's some, Yeah. It's something to get him on the journey. It's something to give him something to do, I guess. Like it's always with these characters that they have like a strong female lead and they have like a guy that they ended up with at the end of the first one. It's like the next best thing is like, okay, how is he going to propose or how is he going to tell that I love her? And just like in frozen two, it was like very much a similar thing. And it, it gives you enough where, okay, like at the very end, like obviously he's going to tell her, but I did like how with Poppy, they really called out the fact that like a good leader listens and she wasn't doing that at all. And she really, I mean, Poppy really, she listened, but I still feel like when they go back to their home, like she's really going to go back to herself and just kind of be the boss. And, you know, branch is going to be a little bit more of, like subservient, I guess, in that relationship. But yeah, it it was good. I didn't feel like in any way, shape or form that she was kind of like reciprocating that love or feelings. She definitely was on her own little journey in her own world. I did like that he says at one point something to the effect of, I support you by telling, by being honest with you and telling mm-hmm, you what mm-hmm. you're not, when you're not listening. Because yeah. that's an important lesson for kids to learn. Yeah an important lesson for adults to learn (laughs) yeah that's true that's right all right so is there any other themes or moments from the film that you enjoyed or liked or or did not like perhaps i thought it was interesting that they kept referencing the quote unquote power cord which is really good i mean most most um uh, rock music will do power chords (laughs) but so do you guys know what a power cord is? No, please let us know. No, I didn't understand that whole thing. Okay, so. a power... Oh, this is Chelsea's uh, theory moment. <laughs> <laughs> Musical theory explained. Okay, a power co- a cord is if you look at the scale of notes, a, a scale of notes is only eight notes. So it starts with... So if you're in the key of C, it'll go C, D, E, F, G, A, B, and then C is the eighth one. So you're basically repeating the, the root. What normally happens when you do a chord, you do the one, the three, and the five. Now, the three generally decides if it's going to be minor or major, and that's what really tells you what key you're in. Now, if you don't ever use the three, then it's you could really be in multiple different keys, and it, you're just playing two notes. So it doesn't decipher like what like key you're in. Does that make sense? You need the, tri- you need the triangulation to really yeah. hone in. Yeah. Right. But with... Uh, Power chords is where you deliberately remove the three chord. And so you're just using the one and the five. And so that would be in this case, C and G, which means that you're, you're easily able to switch from keys. So if you happen to be going into a modulation or something like that, but a lot of times they just use it in like rock music because it feels a lot more, there's not as much balance in it. It's just a lot of hit the notes (laughs) like there is more quote-unquote power in it because you're not it's not a balanced sound so i find that interesting the fact that one i yeah rockers use it all the time but also it's a you know the power chord meaning this has all the power uh but also it it shows that it's like you're you could you could be a little flimsy and like you can go either way (laughs) very interesting i look i learned something about music theory today thank you chelsea you're welcome. If you would like to learn mu- more about music theory, you can go to my, uh, I have a, a link called Chelsea's Links, C-H-E-L-S-C-A-L-I-N-K-S.com. And uh, I actually do songwriting sessions weekly. So check it out. Whoop, whoop. All right. So what would you guys rate this film? So I give this, like I said, I liked this a whole lot more than it seemed like you guys did. Um, but I I give it like a four stars. I thought it was a solid cast and the music was 
like it, even though it didn't really totally push it forward it was still fun and though i'm not really like a fan of all of the songs that they chose i feel like the message well also i didn't really like the message <laughs> so those were the things that it's like i wish they would have done different songs or had them move the plot forward and i wish that they didn't at the end use the ending as a and thus we see moment like you know whack you over the head with a message um, so those are the two things that kind of like pull it back for me down to the four. But other than that, the story, it didn't try too hard. It didn't try to be anything that it wasn't. And it just kind of like threw you on for a fun ride, had a lot of really quotable quotes at potent quotables. Um, and, um, I just liked it from the beginning. So it was, I, well, I thought it was ridiculous from the beginning, so it can just continued to move forward. And I was fine with that. I don't think if there's a lot of replay value for me. But I wouldn't mind sitting down and watching it if it happened to be on. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to give this three stars. I went into this not expecting to like it at all. And then as I was watching it, I remembered what I liked about the original film, which I'd mentioned a few times, but the art direction. And I do like the characters of Poppy and Branch. They're really good foils for each other. And I liked and appreciated that this was a sequel that did something different than the original film. And my favorite parts, obviously, were when they were in the country music land and the the reveal with the yodeling trolls. I just got a kick out of the different plays that they, you know, puns and things that they had with the different music genres and, and how fun it was to see all of those visualized and explored. Now, that being said, I didn't love the music. I felt that they were just hitting you over the head with the music. They were trying to make the music a thing, which I understand because the music from the first one was just such a phenomenon. They who doesn't want to recreate the success of that and to sell a ton of, you know, digital albums and CDs and all that. So I get it, but it didn't have the, you know, that true colors moment that just really defines the first film and then the can't stop the feeling, which is like you know, the bop that we're all going to be singing forever. There wasn't really a hit song that even is rememberable in any way, shape or form that I want to listen to from this song, from this soundtrack. And ultimately the message was good, but I liked what Rachel said where they could have done so much more with it. It was, it was surface level and it was important, but they could have really pushed it to make the ending really fun and exciting. But overall I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought, but I, I think I'm good. I'll probably watch it this one time and call it a day. Yeah. I actually haven't decided yet if I'm going to, maybe I seem overly negative and that wasn't my intent, but I, I'm going to give it just two and a half stars because I'm right down the middle on it. I actually haven't decided whether I'm going to go fresh or rotten on it. I have to think about it because I just watched it just barely. And I, I don't know, I have to just give it some thought because I, I think that does have some interesting things. I think it's perfectly harmless. I think kids will enjoy it. I do like the animation a lot. And I, I think that it had some pretty funny jokes that made me laugh. So I appreciated all of those things. I just feel like I just wish it had ended with the message that you can like whatever you want to like. <laughs> that you are, you can like any kind of music and there's great value in any kind of music. And so I, I feel like it didn't quite nail it. And I do agree that I think the music was was pretty... I think the original songs were pretty forgettable. Like, I couldn't even tell you any of those songs. And they just made some interesting choices as far as the uh, cover songs. And, uh, but, I don't know. I'm right in the middle. Two and a half. All right, be sure to let us know your thoughts on this film by going to rotoscopers.com slash 179 to leave us your mini review in the comments. And speaking of reviews, let's hear some of your reviews by going to the voicemails. As a Tridoscopers, my name is Stefan. I'm going to quickly leave my review for Trials World Tour. I'll start off with characters. So many new characters we were able to meet. Standard characters to me were definitely the fruit, who was super cute. But why do they have to leave her behind? Uh, Hickory, who made us feel really safe on the journey. And Branch, who was, for me, the most relatable. And led the standout song perfect for me. Next was the really amazingly done world building. Even though it felt kind of small and cramped because they traveled across it so effortlessly. My favorite environment was definitely the country. Uh, as far as the story goes, we knew exactly who the bad troll was to look out for, which was cool, and the, movie, and the story moved on well. Once the four-legged camel guy finds his family, though, I felt I recorded that sequence really quickly and mostly fun to be annoying throughout the whole movie. But the movie gets going in with a great uh, twist. The ending scene was so-so. What kept me in it was, was wondering what the final song would be, um, which ended up being fine. Um, 
other notes were the changes in styles that really took me out of the movie. Um, like with a highly realistic tiger, I'm not really sure what that's for again. Uh, the jokes kept me smiling and laughing throughout the first half of the movie. I enjoyed the hot air balloon um, with the shock look as she entered the symphony land. I thought that was cool. Overall, I give it a 3 out of 5 stars. It's a nice to have seen it here. Thanks for your Really looking forward to your next episode. Cheers. so much rachel for joining us for this episode it was really really fun having you here and i love your opinion and perspective i mean you are an official rotten tomatoes approved critic so you are also approved in our book so thank you thank you thank you so much for having me it was something i've been very much looking forward to and i had a great time so we'll be sure to have Rachel back. She's actually a member of our team, but also a patron. And if you have been thinking and on the fence about joining the Rotoscopers Rotonation patron community, it is so much fun. Not only do you get to listen to the episodes ad free, but we have a bunch of bonus content. So we have extra content every single episode, deleted bloopers, deleted conversations, some of our shooting the breeze at the beginning of the call before we hit record officially and we also have bonus episodes where we either get to do the rotocast where it's a, a call-in show and the patrons get to call in and hang out with us and rachel was actually on our last one and it was a lot of fun and we do the roto rewatch where we go back and watch a film that we've already previously reviewed on the podcast which we love that because we are animation addicts so we don't just watch these films once maybe in my case trolls 2 if you guys really want us to do trolls 2 let us know patrons but i don't think <laughs> the ones that we're going to be doing right now but we will be doing a roto rewatch pretty soon so go to rotoscopers.com slash patron to see all of the different tiers and perks. And we love the support of anyone who is a patron and helps keep the show going. Another way you can support the show is to leave us a five-star review in iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use. Here is one of the more recent ones. It's from Fram788208. And it says, Animation Addicts, the best. One of the best podcasts. So glad you guys are back. I look forward to future episodes. Highly recommend five stars. So you really can't beat that. And like we said in our last episode, if you leave us a five-star review and you let us know what voice you want Mason to do it in, Mason will read your five-star review on the episode in whatever animation voice you want. And he is good and he is hilarious. So definitely do that and support the show. Of course, you can find us on all social media, the internet, we're rotoscopers.com, rotoscopers.com slash 179 for the show notes, for all the links to things that we talk about in this episode. And be sure to share this on social media, hashtag animation addicts and tag rotoscopers in your tweet or your Instagram posts, and we will reshare it. Yeah. Also voicemails. If you want to check out our voicemails, you can go to rotoscopers.com slash voicemails or call us at 406 646 Six five seven five. Before we talk about what we'll be reviewing on our next episode, Rachel, where can they find you and plug all the cool things that you are doing? Yes. So you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all for social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. And then you can also find me at the Hallmarkies podcast. We will include links to that in the show notes so you can find Rachel. So thanks again, Rachel, for joining the show. You can find me, Morgan Stradling. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm Morgan Stradling in all of those places. And then Chelsea Robson, you can find on Instagram and Twitter, Chelsea Robson. And then songsbychelsea.com, if you would like to have her write a song for you or for a loved one or a friend as a way to show your appreciation to someone that's really important in your life. And very, very last thing before we go, I am so pumped about this. I know I talked about it in our last episode, but we are going to be doing a review of Tangled the Series it is my newest obsession. And if you're like Tangled the what? You guys, you need to get on the Tangled the Series train. It is very, very high quality TV show. Every once in a while, a TV series comes along that really appeals to a wider audience and especially a more adult audience. Think of Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, even, you know, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. And Tangled the Series is one of those. And I'm so, I don't know why it took so long for it to get on my radar, but I am chomping at the bit to talk about this. So check it out. We also have an interview with the creator, showrunner, and executive producer, Chris Sonnenberg. This is on Disney Plus as of April 23rd, 2020. 
So the whole series is on there. Go check it out. Go watch it. Go binge it. Thank you. I'm just going to tell you right now, you're welcome. (laughs) And our next episode is going to be Tangled the Series. I am so excited, if you can't tell, to talk about this. So until next time, guys. We We are are the Rotoscopers. Hold on a second. Did I lose you guys? See. Hold on a second. Did I lose? Did I lose you guys? Yeah, no. Was it me or who? Were you trying to talk? No, I just (laughs) couldn't hear Rachel. Okay, continue then. Uh, I can hear you. Yeah, you're recording your audio, so just kind of pick up uh, where I interrupted you. Sorry about that. But it's not like you can get like that lost revenue. Sorry, that was my dog. (laughs) If you heard that. (laughs) Which side note? Andrew Lloyd Webber, the great Broadway composer, he actually has a YouTube channel right now called The Shows Must Go On, which every Friday and Saturday for 48 hours, he's releasing either a movie version of one of his musicals or uh, like a recorded Broadway version. So check that out because there's actually been some very interesting content that people have been putting on during this time to let, you know, because so many people are home just sitting around watching TV. So with that, the show must go on. Let's talk about Trolls World Tour. Trolls World Tour.